All right. I know I'm an Aggie, but then let me just show you what happened this morning. I get this order of service, and they circle in red and put a big face. Says, this is when you preach. So I know I snuck in the back to have prayer time, and the guys at the coffee stand was all worked up because they thought I wasn't here. But y'all don't have to tell me when to come preach. So, anyway, take your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Last week we, we talked about the subject of walking worthy of the gospel. And we delved into the idea, and you remember, if you were here, you remember. And if you weren't here, I'm going to catch up really quickly. You remember the word worthy, axios, in the original language, the Greek, means to, to, to have weight, to be weighty. And one of the ideas is that it's, it's to, to have balance. Often the word is used of a fulcrum, of a weight, a balance, or as I told you last week, a seesaw. Excuse me. Ooh, seesaw. I started bringing seesaw up here today, and, and that didn't work out. So, so I got I got my little balance. Now, if you weren't here last week, what we talked about is that if if our life is going to be worthy of the gospel, then there needs to be balance. One side of our life shouldn't be heavier than the other. And we talked about it in the context of. Now, remember, we talked about it in the context of of what I say I believe on one side, and the way I behave on the other side. And so if our life is going to have balance, if we're going to walk worthy of the gospel, then, then, then what we believe has to even out with how we behave. And so that was kind of the, the, uh, the overview of what we talked about. And then we took Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 and following in verse 28. And we talked about this, this word, this life balance in the context of unity. Because Paul said to the Philippians, he said, I want you to be of, of one mind and I want you to be of one heart, one mind, one soul. And so we talked about it in the context of unity. And in, in the midst of that conversation, we discovered there's two big obstacles to unity in a family, in a church, in a relationship. And, uh, and I talked about those two obstacles. And let me tell you, let me remind you what they are. And then there's one thing I didn't get to and, and I want to share that with you. The, the first obstacle is, is anger, bitterness, and just this negative attitude that can happen to us when things don't go our way. And we talked about how, you know, uh, I don't know how it works for you, but I don't always get my way. And, and it, was, it was a rude awakening a few years ago, and I think that was for a lot of us. But, but things aren't always going to go our way. And so if, if we're not careful, when we don't get our way, we can get uptight or worked up and we might even get angry. And if we don't deal with our anger, then sometimes it'll come to bitterness. And so, and so that's an obstacle to unity. And we talked about that. And then secondly, we talked about this concept of unwholesome talk where Paul wrote in Philippians. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. And we kind of, we covered that pretty good. But the one thing that I didn't talk to you about is how do we handle a situation when someone comes to us and they're dealing with, and they got this anger and they're bitter and they're negative and they're critical, or they come and, and they're doing some unwholesome talk. And, and so we didn't really cover that, particularly in this service. We talked about it a little bit in the second service. And then, and so I didn't cover that Sunday. And then the oddest thing happened. We're, service is over and I'm walking back here. I'm right back here, right in front of the sound booth. And a lady comes up to me and I won't tell you her name. And she says, Pastor Mike, I, uh, I've been needing to talk to you since Wednesday. I was going to call you and I didn't. And uh, she said, I heard a rumor. 
And I thought, this is going to be good. And then I thought, oh, my. And so I said, what's the rumor? I said, what? She said, well, somebody. I said, well, what is the rumor? And she says, well, somebody told me that you told someone they could not bring their kids to our church. I said, really? Uh, For real. She said, someone said that you could not or that they couldn't bring their kids to our church. And I'm just thinking, wow. I I said, listen, totally untrue. Totally untrue. I mean, think about this. We've spent a month talking about how our passion and desire is to partner with families to help bring their kids up for the gospel. And I'm just thinking, man, h- how does that happen? And so I thought, man, we gotta, I gotta talk, I gotta tell you that today. And I, and I need to tell you that for two reasons. Let me, let me just, first one's very simple. Somebody, and hopefully it's not one of you, but at least one somebody believes and is sharing something that's totally not true. And so I'm gonna do the George Bush thing. Read my lips. I would never say that. My stars, we're doing everything we can to reach people for the gospel. And so, so you, so if you believe that, let me just tell you, it ain't true. Okay. But, but more importantly, here's the reason I share that. You need to know, how do you respond when something like that happens? Now, obviously, the right thing was to not, for this lady, was not to share that with somebody else, but to come to me. But let me tell you a better response. If someone comes to you and they're negative or critical or they're spreading gossip or they're sharing something, you go, I, I, I don't really believe that. How do you respond? What is the best? What is the wisest? What is the biblical thing that you should do? And let me just share with you. If someone comes to you and they're wanting to talk about somebody else or share something that you know isn't right, here's the first thing you should do. You should ask them, have you been to that other person to talk with them? In this scenario, the, the wisest thing to do would have been saying, have you talked to Mike about that? And then if they say no, which 99% of the time, they haven't talked to the person in question, you should say to them, hey, let's you and me, I'll go with you and we'll go settle this issue. Now, if it's late in the night and, you know, you can't go to the office or whatever, then you say, hey, I'm going to pick up the phone and we're going to set up a, with the person, whoever it is, and we're going to solve this issue. Now, that will do two things. The first thing that will do, that will clarify what's true and what's not. And that's important. But, this, but here's the second thing, and here's what's even more important. When you do not allow someone to spread untruth or negativity or or whatever it is, when you refuse to allow them to do that, they'll stop coming to you with their stuff. But if you continue to listen and entertain it, they'll keep bringing it. If If you have property and people start dumping garbage and you don't do anything about it, you know what people will keep doing? They'll keep dumping garbage. But the minute you say, wait a minute, that's unacceptable... They'll take the garbage somewhere else. And so if someone comes to you and they want to whisper or murmur or gossip about someone else or, you know, and it could be at work, it could be at home, it doesn't matter where it is, you got to be willing to confront them and say, hey, the, the biblical thing is to go to that person. 
Uh, this happened to me about, um, gosh, it's probably 10 years ago. I'm sitting in my office and, and uh, one of the guys, or a couple in my church, called me up and said, we need to come by and see you. And so they came by and I didn't really know what was going on. They had a couple teenagers. And they sat down and as soon as they sat down, I said, well, we got an issue with the youth pastor. And I said, oh, okay. I says, well, have you talked with him about it? They said, well, oh, no, we hadn't talked to him. We were going to come to you. And so I said, well, we're going to get him in here. And we, I picked up the phone and I called him. I said, hey, you need to come down. We need to talk about an issue. They never came back with another problem. Now, we handled the issue, but what we can't, we can't allow people to, to go around the biblical model. And if, listen, church, if we'll learn, if we'll learn that principle to not allow people to do that, We'll solve a lot of the issues in our work. We'll solve a lot of the issues in our family. We'll solve a lot, a lot of the issues in our church. Anytime you get people together, if you won't listen to the garbage, people stop sharing. Matter of fact, Proverbs 26, 20, um, great verse. This is a really good verse. Proverbs 26, verse 20. Oh, there it is. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Can I just say this? Don't get mad at me, but let me just say this. If some of our people would stop whispering, murmuring, and complaining about whatever their issue is, it'd go away. But here's the deal. A lot of times, we would rather spread the, the murmuring and the whispering because it's juicier than the truth. It's just a whole lot more interesting to say, you know, man, I heard. You're not going to believe what I heard. Now, you need to pray for him. You know, we, well, we need to pray for so-and-so, so I want to tell you. No, no, listen, without wood, a fire goes out, and without gossip, a quarrel dies down. And, and then, and here's another thing, one other principle. Uh, go ahead and put up Titus chapter two, chapter 3. Great verse here. You, this is one that we need to utilize when, if people are, because what happens is people will be divisive in the body or they'll be divisive in the family. Listen to what the scripture says. Warn a divisive person once. Warn them a second time after that, have nothing to do with them. Church, listen, good things are, are happening here in our church. Good things are happening in the Wimberley Valley in terms of the gospel. And we cannot allow the enemy to get a foothold into our church. And the, the, the amazing thing is Satan uses people. And we can't allow, you know, we don't want them to use us, number one. Number two, we, we don't want to be a part. So if someone's being divisive, you just need to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. Warn them once, warn them twice. After that, have nothing to do with them. And so, so when we did, that's just an example. That's how, we, that's how we maintain unity. If someone comes to you with an issue, whatever it is, get to the heart of the issue. Go to the source. Saddle it. And move on. That's what Jesus taught. Man, he talked about that. You know, uh, he talked about that in Matthew 18. He talked about it again in Matthew 5. So, so we need to take care of that. But, to, but in order to live a life of balance, in order to walk worthy of the gospel, it's, it's not enough just to have unity. That just doesn't apply to unity. Man, that applies to so many different areas of our life. And so as I studied this week, I said, you know, I really want to go back. And I want to go back to this subject because I, for me, for me, I want my belief and my behavior to balance out. And for our church, I want our belief and our behavior to balance out. So we're going to look at Colossians 1 and we're going to jump into this subject. And I hope before we're done today that you're going to have at least one practical thing that you can do when you go home that will help bring balance 
to your spiritual life and to the life God's called you to. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Let's pray. Father, what a, what a full passage about Paul praying for believers, the Colossian believers, yes, the believers to come after like us, yes. What a rich text where Paul says, I'm praying, I keep asking God to do something in your life so that you may walk worthy of the gospel, so that your life may have balance. So, so belief and behavior will average out and measure up. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would teach us. God, I pray this morning that you would instruct us. And God, you would show us what we can do personally so we can have balance in our life and we can please you in every way. So God, speak to our hearts is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's remember. Now, Paul's chained to a Roman soldier. Colossians is one of the four prison epistles. You know, Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, and Colossians. You know, similar time frame as Philippians last week. Uh, Paul's probably under house arrest in Rome. Chances are good. He's chained to a Roman soldier. He's thinking he's on death row. Remember last week, he kind of thought, you know, I'm, I might die. I might live. I wish I could die. I'm probably going to live. I'm not really sure what happened. But whatever I do, uh, you know, here's what I want. And, and, he, and he wrote Philippians. And then he wrote to the church at Colossae. And he says, man, I'm praying. I do not stop. I never cease. I keep praying and praying and praying for you because I want, here's what I want for you. I keep praying because I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as or so that or in order that you may walk worthy of the gospel. And then notice, notice after that phrase, walk worthy of the gospel, um, there, look in chapter 10 because there's another statement that, that's really good. That you may live a life worthy of the Lord. And, and look at this statement. May please Him in every way. The English Standard Version, version says it like this. It says, fully pleasing Him. And, and so if you, listen to this. If you and I, if we can figure this thing out of how to, how to walk with balance... If we can figure this thing out about how to walk worthy in our life, then, then we have the potential and the opportunity to fully please Him. Now, I don't know what your plan in life is, and I don't know what your purpose in life is, and I don't know what your goal is in life, but man, if, if we can live our life in a way that will fully please Him, that's a full life. Man, we sing about what a glorious day that's going to be. I mean, imagine what the day is going to be like when Jesus parts to heaven and he calls you up and he calls me up and we're standing there in the presence of this being, in the presence of man. Imagine what it would be like to know that our life has balance, that we fully pleased him in every way. Man, that's what you want. That's what I want. Listen, that, as your pastor, man, more, that's what I want for you. 
I want you to be fully pleasing to him. And I want me to be fully pleasing to him. And then he des- he describes how that happens. Listen to these. Four, there's four uh, principles here, and I'm going to share them with you. And then we're going to we're going to do something, we're going to go backwards. But but look what happens. To fully please him means we're bearing fruit in every good work. Can, can I just ask you how much fruit's in your life this morning? How much spiritual fruit is in your life? Because when we're walking worthy, we'll be bearing fruit. In every good work. Not sometimes. But in every good work. And then notice the next statement. Growing in the knowledge of God. Or increasing in the knowledge of of God. Can can I just ask you this? If you were to do a spiritual assessment of your life. And if you were to compare your life today. And your life Last year on April the 3rd, and then maybe five years ago on April the 3rd. Can I, can I just ask you, are you increasing and growing in knowledge and obedience to Christ? See, because when we're walking worthy, we're just, listen, I'm not going to be the same today as I was last year. If you're, if you're, if you were more spiritual last year than you are this year, you're not walking worthy of the gospel. We're not living in a life, living a life in a manner worthy of the Lord if we're not growing. Because when we walk worthy, we're growing and increasing in the knowledge of God. But there's a third thing. Notice there, it's in verse 11, it says, being strengthened, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. I don't know about you, but that's kind of convicting. Great endurance, great patience. How, does that, is that what characterizes most of our lives? Great patience. I mean, it seems like this week, every time I get on the road and I, you know, I've, I've got one minute to spare and somebody's driving 43 miles an hour in a 55 and they're pointing. We were coming, we were going, but we were getting ready to go over to Brother Young's birthday party. And we were, we'd been down to the outlets trying to get the girls, you know, the Easter dress thing and just, you know, kind of doing that thing that you do, the kind of family thing. And so we're, we're, we're on Ranch Road 12. And bless her heart, I think somebody's first time to Wimberley, man. Ever hill that you could just see them. They'd look out over the thing and everyone like 40 miles an hour. And I'm like, it's 10 after 3. I'm going to get here. But listen, when the Bible says being strengthened, so you have great, Great endurance and great patience. Man, I, I want to be like that, but I don't know how it is for you, but I don't, I don't always have great patience. I mean, sometimes I don't think I have any patience. But that's what, it, listen, if we're walking worthy, we can have that. And then notice the last phrase, verse 12 says, joyfully, or the end of verse um, 11 says, joyfully, giving thanks to God. How thankful are we? Oh, we are at Thanksgiving and we thank God for our food. But joyfully giving thanks. Notice the context of that. Joyfully giving thanks to the Father because He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of life. I mean, think of, see, that glorious day we sang about? That we're talking about? Man, on that day, those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, that's going to be a day where we begin to inherit. We're joint heirs with Jesus. We're co-heirs with Christ. 
It's so weird. Listen, when we're walking worthy, we're going to be thankful to God for what He's done in our life. But we're going to be thankful to God for what He's going to do in our life. And so the Scripture says when we're walking worthy, we're going to be bearing fruit. We're going to be growing in knowledge. We're going to be strengthened. We're going to have great endurance and patience. We're going to be joyfully giving thanks to God. And and what happens is a lot of times is I look at my life, and sometimes I even look around and I just wonder, how much of that is going on in the Christian community? I think sometimes we're not really, we're not totally walking worthy. You know, we don't. We don't totally have this balance. We're, we're kind of skewed one way or the other. And it's usually our behavior doesn't measure up with our belief. You know, that's usually kind of where we get to. And so, and so I, I began to work with this passage this week and I, and I wanted to preach on those four things I just talked about. And then I realized that, um, it's good to think about what living a worthy life will look like. But it's more important to think about how do we do that? I mean, how do, how do we do that, choir? How, I mean, how do we get ourselves in a situation to, when, to where our life does balance? I mean, what is, it, what is it that you're supposed to do? What is it that I'm supposed to do so that, when, so that we can live this life, this, this worthy life that, that's worthy of the Lord in a manner that's, that's fully pleasing Him? What is it that we can do? And so I just kind of looked at this passage and I began to kind of work backwards. Well, the results of walking worthy were those, you know, bearing fruit, growing and increasing all that stuff. You know, and, and that's kind of the, that's what happens when you live worthy of the gospel. But how do we do that? And so I go back up to verse 10 and it says that we pray that, and the NIV says we pray this in order that you live a life worthy of the gospel or we pray this so that, so kind of the, the purpose is in the prayer and so we need to ask the question, what, what is Paul praying for? You know, because when we look at what Paul prayed for, we can unlock the secret to living a life that's worthy of the Lord that's fully pleasing to Him. And when we unlock the secret of living a life that's fully pleasing to the Lord and worthy of Him, then we'll bear fruit and we'll grow in the knowledge of God and we'll be strengthened with all power so that we have great patience and endurance and we'll be joyfully giving thanks to God. Man, if we can unlock that secret, man, that is, that's what we need to do. And so let's go back up there in verse 9 and let's look at what the secret is. He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will to all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this. We pray for God to fill you with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual understanding so that you may live a life worthy of the gospel. So here's the, here's the secret. If you want your behavior and your belief to measure up, if you want your life to have balance, and if I want my life to have balance, we have to be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I mean, that, that, that's kind of the key thing. You know, that means that we, you know, the idea is, is to be, by the way, the word, uh, filled, it's an interesting term. One of, one of the ways it's translated is to be crammed. When you were a kid, did you ever just like cram a whole hot dog? You know, maybe your kids, you, you, you know, I've, mine do that, some, my little kids, and sometimes I, do. I mean, we, we'll just say, well, you know, I, I can just get it all in, and we just kind of shove it in, and we're like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the idea is is to you, literally 
Paul was praying that the Christians at Colossae would be crammed full of the knowledge of God's will. In fact, another sometimes that, that word was used of a ship when they got the ship completely full of cargo, when it was completely full, leveled out, and ready to sail, they would use the word, it's filled up. And so Paul was saying, if you and me, if we, if we want to live a life worthy of the gospel, we have to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, I got hung up here because... Because when you, when you look at that word, when you look up that word in the original language, it is a subjunctive, the verb is a subjunctive mood. It's a passive subjunctive. A, a subjunctive is, expresses possibility, probability, but not necessarily certainty. And then I discovered it also suggests intentionality. And so I got to thinking about that, and I was kind of praying through that, and I was like, okay, God, how do, how do we talk how, practically? Practically, how do we do this? And, and then God reminded me of this verse, and he, I was sitting right up there in the sound booth. Uh, I, I, that's my secret study place, so y'all don't ever look for me in the sound booth. But I came over here Wednesday, and it was just... And so I'm sitting up there, and I'm thinking, okay, God, what, what do we do? And, and if you have your Bible there, look at Colossians 2.10. Let's read verse 9. Colossians 2, listen to verse 9. This is rich. This is good. Listen to this. It says, for in Christ, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity. Deity is the Godhead. For in Christ, all the fullness of God, deity, lives in bodily form. Now listen to this statement. And you have been given fullness in Christ. That word fullness, having been given fullness, your translation might say, be made complete. Same idea. That the, in the the uh, the word there is a perfect passive. Now the the perfect tense means something that was completed in the past, but has present and ongoing results. Now here's what that means for you. You got to get this. What that means for you and me is that when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, when Christ comes to live in your heart, God has given you this fullness. This full knowledge of his will and this full knowledge of who he is. And so you have, you have everything you need. You've been given everything you need. And I've been given everything I need as a believer in Christ to walk worthy of the gospel. And so you get it all. In Peter, it says, I think it's Peter 1, 3, 1 Peter 1, 3, where it says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And so, so we got everything we need, Right? The question is, how do we appropriate that? Why have you got my baby? Like, why has got a little thing? I, I won't ride to bring this up. I, I read the, this astonishing thing, and I'm, I'm sitting there reading, and I really kind of like Warren Wiersbe, and, and I'm reading Warren Wiersbe, and we're talking about this passage right here, and uh, thank you for bringing me this baby. And, okay. Now, I, I want you all to think with me. One of the, listen, hold on to this thought. Hold on. We're going to come to the baby in just a second. But Wiersbe says, because that's true, we need no addition to our spiritual life. When you give your heart to Christ, God gives you everything you need. We need no addition. All we need is nutrition. 
And so here's one of the joys I have as a pastor, one of the most fun, most exciting, uh, most fulfilling things that I get to do as a pastor is when people, when couples have babies, I get the privilege, oftentimes, not always, but almost always, I get the privilege of going over to visit them at the hospital or going over to visit them in their home uh, right after the baby's born, uh, and particularly if it's healthy, and, and we'll get to... We'll get to take that, I'll get to take that baby in my arms and we'll get to offer a prayer of blessing, thanking God for the child and for its health and thanking God for the, mo- the mother and, and just the blessing of it. And here's, here's what always captivates my mind is when I stand in a hospital and I hold a baby or I stand in a home and I hold a baby or, or I sit there and the baby's in the little incubator or the crib or whatever it is, here, here's what's amazing. You got a baby that's one or two days old, like this one. This one's probably seven weeks or two weeks. You know, it's a little bigger. Um, but in, in that, if that little baby's healthy, then that little baby has every single thing it needs to grow up and become, except love, nurture, training, and nutrition. You don't have to add anything to it. You bring it home, you love it, you feed it, you change it, you encourage it. When it gets a little older, you may have to give it a little discipline. But you just, you stay with it and you, you feed, you nourish, you nurture, you clothe, you train. But all it needs, all it needs to grow up and be healthy is, is nutrition. It's got, and it's just the most amazing thing. And I don't know where to put my little baby because, you know, I'll put her right here. So, um she can take a nap. There we go. And um, but, 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 but think about this. I mean, you, you need to do that sometime. You hold in your baby. It ain't the same holding out. But you hold this, this little child and you know this is a miracle from heaven. And if it's loved and cared for and fed and trained... It's going to grow up to be a big boy or a big girl and they can live for God their whole life. And the Bible says, when you give your heart to Jesus Christ and when I give my heart to Jesus Christ, we are born again into the family of God. We become a babe in Christ. And when you became a babe in Christ and when I became a babe in Christ, God gave us everything we need to live a life worthy of the gospel. All we've got to figure out that we don't need to, we don't need addition. We just need nutrition. And so here's what, and I want to give you three practical things and I'm going to roll them all up into one piece. If you want to live a life worthy of the gospel, if your desire, if your desire is for your belief and your behavior to measure up, then, then this one practical thing that, that you got to do is you got to figure out how do I feed my soul? So let me just give you three quick things, and then again, we'll put them all together. Uh, obviously, the first one is, is there's got to be a desire, a desire to grow up. You've you got to have a desire to grow up. You know, the, the thing about a baby is you, you put them in the bed for very long, and they're going to be hungry. And when they get hungry, what are they going to do? They're going to let you know it. And they're going to let you know it every two and a half hours, every three hours. They don't care whether it's morning. They don't care where it's noon. 
They don't care if it's afternoon or two in the morning or five in the morning. Doesn't matter to them because they they're they got this desire to grow, and because they have this desire to grow, they're hungry. And if you and I listen, if we're going to if we're going to walk worthy of the gospel, there's got to be a desire in our heart to grow. There has got to be a hunger in our heart to become like Jesus. Listen, Hosea six verse three. Um, this will be fun. Let's see if we can find Hosea. Um, it's always encouraging. Go to Daniel, turn right, and you'll find it. Uh, Hosea, listen to chapter 6, verse 3. And I, I wish I had the, the um, English standard, but, but the, the NIV says, Let us acknowledge the Lord, and let us press on to acknowledge Him. As surely as the sun rises, He will appear. He will... Listen to this. When, when we press on to acknowledge Him, when you and I press on to know the Lord, listen to what it says in the last verse. It says, He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth... God longs for you and me to come and be with him. But there has to be a desire in your heart to know him. There has to be a hunger in your heart to press on to know Christ. Just like that little baby is going to cry because it's hungry, we should cry to God because we're hungry and say, God, fill my soul. There should be a desire to grow. Secondly, the second uh, principle is there, there needs, we need to depend on the Holy Spirit. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit because only, uh, you know, only the Spirit of God uh, can bring about the change that we need. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, actually, I think it's probably going to be First Corinthians chapter 2. See if we can get that right. It's in Corinthians Chapter 2. All right. Verse 10. But God has revealed it to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Now listen to this statement that we may understand what God has freely given us. Friend, listen, if you want to live a life worthy of the gospel, you got to desire and be hungry for it. you got to depend on the Holy Spirit of God because only the Holy Spirit of God can reveal to you and help you understand what God has freely given to you and me. And so we got to depend on the Holy Spirit. We've got to desire this growth. And then third, we've got to devote ourselves to the Word of God. You have to devote yourself to the Word of God. You know the Bible says that Jesus is the living Word. He is the logos. Uh, that's the Greek word for word. But Jesus is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God, John 1.1. 1, 1. Then in verse 14, it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so, so if you and I want to possess, if we want to really know Jesus, we've got to know His Word. And uh, a matter of fact, if you're in Colossians there, listen, we talked about this spiritual wisdom and knowledge. Look at uh, verse 3 of chapter 2. Oh, well, let's, we need to read verse 2. It says, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they know, may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Listen to this. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I don't know how it works for you. But I know for me, I would love to know God's will as it relates to my life. There are times, I don't know if this happened for you, but there are times when I just say, you know, God, I want to do your will. God, I just really need to know what you want me to do. And, And the scripture says, the prayer is, Paul prayed that we might be filled with the knowledge of his what? Of his will. And then it goes on to say that God's given us this fullness in Christ. And in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I mean, in Jesus, he knows it all. He knows exactly what is going on in your life. As a matter of fact, John MacArthur says this about, about spiritual wisdom. Let me see if I can find this. But, but he says spiritual wisdom is, is the practical know-how which comes from God. And he says understanding speaks of clear analysis and the ability to make a decision applying God's word to the various problems in our life. Do you have any problems in your life? I do. I mean, you know, they just, problems just happen. And the Bible says that if we're filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, we can make those decisions that we need to make. When, when people problems come up, when spiritual problems come up, when financial problems come up, when relational problems come up, when moral problems come up. Listen, God's Word wants to give us the practical, hands-on way to make a decision. And we're filled. We got all we need. All we got to do. So, so all we've got to do is put ourselves in position for God to feed our soul. So we need to desire to grow. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit. But we need to devote ourselves to sitting with an open Bible and letting God speak into our life. I don't know what you do first thing in the morning. I don't know what kind of trips your trigger. I don't know if it's the, the, the smell of a warm cup of coffee. I don't know if it's to get into a hot shower and just kind of wake up. You know, I don't know if it's to read the morning. I don't know what your morning routine is, but here's what I do know. If you want to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ, you've got to make a decision that you're going to start your day sitting with the God of the universe, with the desire to grow, with dependence on the Holy Spirit, and with an open Bible. And if you'll read that Bible, and if you'll feed your soul day after day after day after day, God will fill you with the knowledge of His will and spiritual wisdom and understanding as it pertains to your life. And He'll do it for me as it pertains to my life. And then when we go through our day, we'll be able to live a life of balance. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. But if we want to live this balanced Christian life, the most practical thing we can do is to open our Bible and sit before the Creator of the universe every day and say, Here am I, God. Feed my soul. And speak into my life. Psalm 143, verse 8. We'll look at that and we'll wrap it up. Psalm 143, verse 8. Listen, listen to what the psalmist writes. It says, Let the morning bring me word, 
of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For to you I lift up my soul. For let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. Imagine what our life would be like if we were as devoted to opening the word as we are to email. Imagine what our life would be like if we were as devoted to opening up the Word as we are to, to, to get online and, and check on our accounts and, and see what our finance, you know, see what our investments did, you know, or, or to open up the Wall Street Journal or to read the USA. Imagine what our life could be like if every day you and me decided that we're going to let His Word bring us word of His unfailing love. When you were born again into the kingdom of God, God gave you everything you need to live a life of godliness. It's in here. You need to feed it the word of God. And then you need to obey it. And your life can be different. Your life can be balanced. And so can mine. And so my hope and my prayer is that you'll commit yourself to spending time with God every day. You know, the navigators way back in the day, they told us this in Colorado. You know, they'd go to the, they'd be meeting with the sailors or meeting with the college students and, and their rule was no Bible, no breakfast. They'd come to the table. Have you been in your Bible? Nope, no breakfast for you. You go get in the Word. You know, maybe that's harsh, but if we feed our soul, our life will be different. I think it was Henry Ward Beecher who said, uh, the first hour of the morning is the rudder for the day. Now, if you want your life to measure up, you got to spend time with God. You, I'm not talking about listening to the preacher. You need to sit with an open Bible and let God speak into your life. you got to desire it. you got to depend on the Holy Spirit. But you've got to devote yourself to sitting with Jesus. Will you do that? I, I promise you this on the authority of God's word. If you'll sit with his word consistently and regularly and you obey what he tells you, God will fill you with the full knowledge of his will for everything he wants you to do. He's promised. He's promised. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that we have a promise that uh, you've given us everything we need for life and godliness, that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And God, you've, we're born again. We're spiritual babes. And you gave us, you filled us with the fullness of God. And, and we don't need addition, we just need nutrition. And God, there's a lot of believers here this morning. And God, a lot of us want to go where we've never been before. And a God, God, a lot of us want our life to, to be like it's never been. We want to do some things that we've never done. We want balance. We want to walk worthy. And God, I pray this morning that you would motivate us to sit before you with an open Bible and let you bring us word of your unfailing love. Let you feed our soul 
like the spring rains feed the soil. So, Father, I pray that each believer would dedicate themselves to spending time with you. Now, Father, some here in the auditorium, they've never given their life to Christ. And, Lord, they, they can't, they don't understand your unfailing love. They've not been born into the family. And because they're not born into the family, consequently, Lord, they don't have everything they need to live a life of godliness. They don't have everything they need to, to, to live a worthy life, to fully please you in every way. And God, my prayer and my hope is that this morning they would decide to open their heart to Jesus Christ. Lord, the Bible says in Acts 16 that Lydia, that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to the gospel. And Father, I know that sitting in the auditorium this morning, there's some men, some women, some young people, maybe some children, that you are opening their heart to the gospel. And my prayer and my hope is that they would respond, that they would give their life and their heart to Jesus Christ. So God, we ask you to have your will and your way in all that we do this morning. And when you do, we'll give you the glory and the honor for it all now. In Jesus' name, amen.